0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Got a great final hour for you. We'll have Steve Young's conversation on Sports Talk with Bobby, Yehber, two quarterbacks who were in the league together. Steve Young, a Hall of Fame quarterback, had nothing but praise for Taysom Hill, a fellow BYU alum. Steve Young sang yesterday, and I forget where the interview was, but he was quoted as saying, he was hoped to be someday like Taysom Hill. I think Taysom Hill probably one day wants to be like Steve Young. We will have Steve Young's great conversation for you at the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned for that. Sports Libs, a moment is in from John Gruden, all coming your way. Plus your phone calls. Open lines the first half hour here. Just you and I, 504-260-1870. Text lines eight seventy eight seventy. 870 Want to talk Saints, LSU, Pelicans, anything in the wild world of sports Give me a call. You can also shoot me a text at 870-870. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll, which decade is the golden era of Louisiana sports? I argued earlier, it's now. We had a good text that said, well, maybe not because none of the big three teams, and when you say big three, most successful teams, Saints, LSU football, LSU baseball, they failed to win national championships this decade. That was a pretty good point. What era do you think? What decade do you think was the golden era of Louisiana sports? And maybe we're living in it now. Cast your vote at WWL.com at the radio.com app. There are very interesting trends in the NFL over the last 10 to 15 to 20 years. We get into them a lot on our show, and sometimes changes in this sport usually happen from the ground up. They usually happen starting in high school when those players get to college and they infiltrate the NFL the game changes with those players. It's no different in some things that we're seeing differently today than, say, 20 years ago in the NFL. For example, in 2018, and I'll give credit to – well, we've referenced Bill Barnwell a lot on this show, I think three or four times in the last two weeks, but he had a tweet today that I thought was fantastic. I didn't realize this. In 2018, last year in the NFL, quarterbacks combined to complete – 64.9% of their passes. It's about 65% of their passes. 20 years ago, in 1998, not a single NFL quarterback completed more than 63% of his passes that season in the NFL. I want to make sure you heard that again. Last year, NFL quarterbacks averaged 65% completion rate. In 1998, 20 years ago, not a single starting quarterback even hit that mark. It's incredible. More development at the quarterback position, throwing the football through the air at the high school ranks 20 years ago. It was the major programs, the big-time high school football programs, whether that's here in New Orleans and Louisiana or in the upper Midwest or on the West Coast. It was about the wing tee. I grew up a long time ago in Seattle. There was a program called Bellevue. They were the the John Curtis of high school football up there, winning championships every year. Every kid across the state wanted to find a way to get to Bellevue if they could. Now, uh, not to dive too deep in that, re- recruiting rules uh, there were a little more stringent than they were here, so it didn't happen a lot. Bellevue ran, ran the wing T. So did most other programs where I grew up, just like they did here, some form of the option or triple option. Bellevue now has, for the most part, abandoned the wing tee, still run it some, but they're more of a spread offense. So are most of the big-time programs on the West Coast, whether that's Mission Viejo or the big-time programs in California. We see that here in this state. John Curtis still runs that triple option. They're throwing it just a little bit more. Rummel's throwing it more. They've gone uh, more of a spread offense recently. Zachary, who may be the preeminent program in the entire state right now, They're spreading out and throwing it all over the place. So, starts at the high school level, right? You develop those young kids, you develop those quarterbacks then teach them how to throw the football, teach them how to run an offense and progress in their reads. That's going to trickle up to college, and those college quarterbacks, when they're done, that'll trickle up to the NFL. No different than any industry. You go back 20 years in the radio business, remember the old adage, face for radio? 20 years in 1998, if – A radio personality was doing television or doing anything with video, which was mainly TV back then. The internet was still burgeoning. You were considered a rarity, kind of a superstar. You just didn't dabble in that. It was all about the radio and ratings. Now, 20 years later, if you're a media personality, whether you're a a writer, whether you're a radio host, whether you're a television host, as your main job, if you're not at least doing those other things in addition to your main gig, you're probably losing um, some of the development that you could have, kind of as, I guess, kind of an ancillary to high school players. I mean, I write, do TV a little bit, appearances, certainly host a radio show, Christian's the same way, does all three here. We know Bobby's all over the place. It's not like it was 20 years ago. Another trend, of course, that we talk about a lot in the NFL is how the running game has been devalued. Now, this is maybe a little bit contrary to the conventional wisdom. There was a tweet today, some research by Mike Jarecki, who is a digital content correspondent for the Arizona Cardinals, has a podcast there. And I follow him on Twitter. Does, does great work. A little old school, if you want to use that term, right? Not into the, the analytical, what he would probably describe, nonsense. He tweets out that a tough, reliable running game allows an offense to command a game's pace. And then goes on to say, in 2018, NFL teams with a 100-yard rusher posted an 80-26-1 and record. That's a 749 winning percentage. And he's right. In the day and age in the NFL and the analytics nits, and I'm not clapping back or taking shots at the analytics side. I think there's a lot of value there. Sometimes I think that they get a little full of themselves and they're not, able to look at traditional metrics or the traditional way of looking at football, and I think that harms their their arguments and data a little bit. But since 2014, 100-yard rushers have correlated more to wins than 300-yard passers or 100-yard receivers. It was especially pronounced in 2018. If I told you quarterbacks in the NFL – 300 yard passers last year. Would they have a winning or losing record? Everybody would say winning record. I would have said winning record until I saw this data. Last year in the NFL, passers who threw, quarterbacks who threw for more than 300 yards in a game, they were 65, 65, and two. 65, 65, and two, right at 500. 100 yard receivers, 95, 81, and three. A 531 winning percentage. Running backs at 100-plus yards, 80-26-1 again. That's 749. Over the last five years, these have averaged out to 100-yard rushers, 755 winning percentage, 100-yard receivers, 563 winning percentage, and 300-yard passers, a 530 winning percentage. Uh, Anybody who tells you that it's not important to run the football and just throws that blanket statement out there because they see these exceptional quarterbacks that are, yes, so important to their teams. You cannot win in the NFL, and it's becoming a trend in college where you cannot win in college without an elite quarterback. That doesn't completely devalue how important a solid running game is. This correlates to wins in the NFL. Sean Payton realizes that. We know Sean Payton's a pass-first guy, loves to throw the ball over the field. Well, as Drew's aged a little bit and Sean's gotten a little more wiser, he has developed an affinity for running the football a little more. And it's helped the Saints get back to being a Super Bowl contender in the NFC every year over the last three years. It's very apparent to me. I always chuckle. When you have these, um, and very good, very good at what they do, but I think they they call themselves you know the analytics NFL observers, the NFL analytics squad, analytics peeps, as Mike Jarecki said in his Twitter. I always chuckle when I hear them say, "Oh yeah, you should never run the football in the NFL." The data says that, so yeah, that's just foolish. That's absolutely foolish. You can't throw blanket statements out like this. And, and look, Mike Directed did a great job with this hard data that we now have. I loved it. I retweeted it today. You can find it at Seth Dunlap if you want to see what I'm talking about. Good stuff, again, from Barnwell also. Let's go to Tommy in Mobile, Alabama, on our phone lines at 504-260-1870. Tommy, welcome to the show. Hey, good evening. Hey. Enjoying your show tonight. Hey, thanks, Tommy. Appreciate it. I just
1: want to – I was wondering, I remember you – Calling and announcing those uh, high school championship games last year. I was just wondering, uh, since you do a good job, are you going to be calling any during the season this year?
0: Uh, We don't. What we do, Tommy, on Friday nights, starting at 7 o'clock, on WWL, 7 to 10.30 every Friday night. Our first show is September 6th. We have the all Sugar Bowl Prep Football Roundup that I absolutely love. And, yes, we are doing it again this year. Myself, Alan Waddell, Lou Valden will be involved when he's not coaching those nights at Shaw. All of our incredible reporters, there's too many to name. Brad Lumine will be doing the online broadcast with Joey Brewett again. Yeah, we do that from Friday nights, 7 to 10.30 right here, and it's incredible. Look, yes, I I produce the show. I kind of run that crew. So I'm biased, but I'm objective enough to know when something's either not good, good, or outstanding. What we do on Friday night, I really mean this. It is outstanding. It is the best high school football coverage in America on the radio that I'm really on the radio probably TV that night and and trust me I'm I'm paid to study these things so 7 to 10 30 first show is September 6th it'll be every Friday after that and we'll be covering the state championship in the dome and then we do play by play during the state championships well it's not going to be in the dome I guess we're still trying to figure out. I heard some rumors it might be in Lafayette, at least the the public schools, uh, private school side, sorry, I mean the select school side. We're still waiting to find all that out, but we will be covering it through the state championships this year, and I cannot wait to get out there on Friday night. I believe we just confirmed that our first show will be live from Archbishop Shaw High School, the first game in Catholic League history that will be played on the home campus of a Catholic League school. Shaw finished their new stadium on the West Bank over uh, the spring and the summer, and they're ready to go. It's going to be fascinating. We will have that very historic game for you. Uh, and I'll be out there with Alan Waddell and Lou Valden Friday, September 6th, right here on WWL. It's a good question. Good call. The glad you listen on Friday night. I enjoy it. I enjoy the heck out of it. That's, a, that's how I got my media start, was covering high school sports um, back where I'm from and I, I don't know, no matter what I do in my life and my career, certainly in this industry, I don't know if I would ever give up covering high school sports, at least in some capacity. I just, I, I, Bobby Aber and I were talking about it earlier when he was in the studio. The purity of it is something that I endure. It's not as pure as it was, say, 10, 20 years ago, but it is night and day compared to the well, the stuff that we deal with, I'll leave it at that, in and, and college and the pros, and we talk about every day on this show. It is a f- breath of fresh air, a much-needed one, high school sports and certainly high school football, especially here in New Orleans and the state of Louisiana. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. We'd love to hear from you. We'll take a break. Back with more. Some news and notes from the NFL also, as the last lap continues on WWL. Oh, don't go anywhere. Remember, Steve Young, bottom of the hour, talking Taysom Hill. We'll Be back with that. That Blue Runner Gumbo Opinion Poll asking you which decade is the golden era of Louisiana sports. A text from the 504 says the 2000s. LSU football champs in 03 and 07. Saints champs in 09. You throw if 2000 is the start of that decade and not the end. Uh, Of course, LSU baseball then two also. Yeah. It's hard to argue that, right? Even though I was opening the show saying right now. But that is very hard to argue. Text from the 504. Darn, so much for starting any fantasy league defense against the Jaguars. <laughs> yeah, that's coming after our uh, conversation last hour with John Reed, beat reporter for the Jaguars for the Florida Times Union, telling us that oh Nick Foles and that offense look pretty good. So do, so does Leonard Fournette, former LSU Tiger. We'll be excited to watch that, no doubt about it. I came across something on, on Twitter today when I woke up. It's one of, the, one of the first things I do, get ready for the day, go walk my dog, and maybe have some coffee and check out Twitter before I kind of jump on any of the sites and do my reading and show prep for the day. Uh, The first thing that I saw that I nearly jumped out of my house running around the block and yelling and screaming was a fourth Matrix movie has officially been uh, made a go. And it is going to star Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss as Neo- and Trinity respectively. Heard rumors of this a couple of months ago that it might be happening. We all knew Keanu Reeves had to be involved, but I don't think it'd be The Matrix without Trinity back either. That's what I was worried about. I mean you had to have Carrie Ann Moss back reprising her role. She might have been the best thing about those movies in my mind. I love Keanu. Uh Logan, Valgu, behind the glass or studio producer. I was asking during the break, you gotta be a Matrix fan, right? yes Watching the Matrix fan. Were you excited about this as I am? Uh yeah. No, I'm 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 extremely excited.
1: Uh, I had heard about it through uh, a news site earlier on in the day and I, I, I kind of glanced at it and I was like, you know that, that that can't be real. It's too good right to be true. I thought know? it
0: was an onion article at first or people were just you know retweeting something that wasn't really true, some kind of spoof. But it is true. It is true. And uh, Lena Wachowski is gonna direct it write it and direct it again. She, she wrote and directed the original truly? Uh, Logan, I'm telling you, I, this, I, my nerd side came way out this afternoon. When I, when I found out about this, I'm all in. I'm all in for Matrix 4, whatever's happening here. Did you hear about the bad news, though, for your Spider-Man franchise? No. What uh, what happened with that? Well, Sony and Disney couldn't come to an agreement. So apparently there will be no Spider-Man in the uh, MCU, the Marvel Comics Universe movies, as that split happened. So who's the guy? The guy who plays Spider-Man now apparently is not going to be in any more of the Avengers or anything like that.
1: Yeah, Tom Holland. Sad sad day for him.
0: Right, his bank account. Sad day for his bank account, right? I mean, I'm not—I guess, look, I mean, we're really going to be sad about Tom Holland's bank account after his, and all the money he's made on those franchises, but hey, it's going away, I guess.
1: I mean, it made a name for him, so, you know, hopefully somebody else decides to pick him up for another big project and uh, we could see a little bit more
0: of him because, I mean— He's a good he's, actor. He's, yeah, he's pretty good. And very, like— Affable whenever you see him on TV and stuff. Very cool. Uh, but yeah, Matrix Four. I don't know if that's what they're calling it, but a fourth Matrix movie. Yeah, it's actually happening. Again, Reeves, Carrie anne Moss. It's there. Are we are you expecting this to be good though, Logan? That's the question. Some some remakes, not it's not a remake, but some long overdue sequels, not that great.
1: I expect that should be pretty good as long as it's not named something like Matrix Re Reloaded or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I like Matrix unloaded or something like that. (laughs) yeah as long as as long as the title sounds all right then we have it's looking up
0: yeah uh i don't know it'd be neo revived or something look spoilers i guess but if you know how those movies ended i am curious to know how they're going to bring reeves back i guess you can do it it's the power of hollywood quick 60 second break for news we're back with steve young from sports talk what a treat they had on sports talk earlier today Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young joined the show. He's been talking a lot since Sunday about his admiration for Taysom Hill, fellow BYU Cougars, graduate and alum, both mobile quarterbacks. Young, certainly in a different era. Taysom Hill is not Steve Young yet. Some people have suggested he could be Steve Young. I think that is incredibly premature, almost Ron Jaworski a la Colin Kaepernick is going to be the greatest quarterback in NFL history premature. But when your idol, somebody you look up to, says things like, well, I want to be like Taysom Hill one day, which is what Steve Young said yesterday about Taysom, you take notice and you listen. Bobby Hebert had reached out to Steve Young today, said, hey, come on our show, talk a little about Taysom. And Steve Young agreed. So we hopped on Sports Talk, and here's their conversation. That was Steve Young, Hall of Fame quarterback, now an analyst for ESPN on Sports Talk earlier today with Bobby Aber and Christian Garrick. One other comparison between Steve Young and Taysom Hill. Steve Young took over as the full-time starter in San Francisco after Joe Montana at age 30. Taysom Hill this year will be 29 years old if, and yes, it's a big if, if Drew Brees walks away and retires this season. Of course, next year, that means Taysom Hill would have an opportunity to start for the Saints at age 30. We'll take a break. We'll be back with Sports Libs in just a second on the last lap. Here comes our producer, Logan Falgu, into the, the show. It's that time of night. Sports Libs time. You can play along on our text line at eight seventy-eight seventy. It's like Mad Libs. We got some sports topics. Let's fill in the blank. Help us fill in the blank on our text line at 870 870. What's up today, Logan?
1: Uh, nothing much, you know. Just, uh, you know, trying to get through the show so I can go home, take a little bit of uh, medicine. You there know, you go. But-
0: get some medicine, pushing buttons, do job, get on home, get out of here, right? Yeah. yeah there you yeah. go. All right. All right. What's up tonight? Sports slips. Fire away.
1: First question up here we have Taysom Hill is blank for the Saints.
0: A good jack of all trades. And I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to make any predictions quarterback-wise yet.
1: Okay. Well, next one up here we have people are putting a bit too much pressure
0: on blank. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. One very poor game, and a lot of Saints fans are willing to jump ship on Teddy. I mean, he was very good, or at least good. Maybe very good is the wrong word. he He was darn good in that first preseason game, especially surrounded by a bunch of second and third teamers. So, yeah, t- t- Teddy Bridgewater. Like back off on the hate here, people. Next one up here
1: we have Blank needs to step up on the Saints team.
0: Uh, Thomas Morstead, because uh, we haven't seen enough of Thomas Morstead this this uh, training camp. He's giving a lot of interviews, kicking on the side. I, w- I want to see Thomas Morstead, more of Thomas Morstead. I don't think Thomas Morstead wants to see more of Thomas Morstead. But I wouldn't mind. Give me some more punts inside the ten, Thomas. Inside the five. Let's go. All right. Next up, we uh, next up here we have.
1: We need to take more time to talk about blank.
0: Uh, that's a good question. We need more time to talk about blank. How about? Okay. This is. Can I get selfish here with this one? Because I know a lot of people wouldn't like this, <laughs> so sure. it won't happen. Uh, we need more time to talk about high school basketball, man. We were talking basketball earlier. Man, if I could do a high school basketball show here and people would listen or a game of the week or something, we'd make it happen. I, it's, it's my sport, man. So, yeah, give, give me a little high school basketball love, folks. Like, flood the WWL mailboxes and Christian Garrick's Twitter account. Say We want some high school basketball in WWL. There you go. All right. And last
1: up here we have, I want to see blank more in the next Saints game.
0: Now, how about Marcus Sherrills? We haven't seen any of them at all. Like if Marcus Sherrills wants to continue to play in the NFL, at least for this team, he's got to get on the practice field and in the game. I mean, he's if he hasn't run out of time yet, it's the next couple of practices and then this Saturday. If he's not out there, it's it's going to be kaput for him. Maybe he already is with Deontay Harris and how well he's performed. All right, and that's it. That's Sports Libs. You can answer at eight seventy eight seventy, and we'll read the best answers and responses when we get back. We'll have a final look at our opinion poll and a moment of Zen, yeah, from Steve Young, to close out the show. I'm Seth Dunlap, wrapping up the last lap. Next, oh, I had a great, great show for you today. Thanks to everybody who made it possible. All of our guests: John Reed, Amy Just, Scott Alexander, Terry McCormick, and of course, a replay of Steve Young. Just a A little bit ago. Thanks to Logan Falgu, Behind the Glass, Tim Zimmer for booking the show, Diane Newman, our program director, Jordan Fiegel for helping out as well. Here's a final look at our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. Which decade was the golden era of Louisiana sports? 45% of you that responded said the 2000s, 35% said this decade, the 2010s. I'm Seth Dunlap at Seth Dunlap. Give me a follow there, and we'll keep the conversation going all night and all day long when we're not on the air. If you missed any of the show, remember, you can get the podcast at WWL.com, the on-demand section there, the radio.com app, or Apple Podcast. We'll hand it off to Beyond Reality Radio, but first, as always, here's our moment of Zen. A great answer from Steve Young talking to Christian and Bobby when asked, what was it like following Joe Montana in that pressure?